Wow, I get the honor. Come on over here, bro. Uh, I get the honor of introducing the uh, evangelist. He's been here several times. His brother has preached here. His daddy has preached here. And I was honored. One of the high honors of my life, and I've, 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 I've been blessed to be around the ministry a long time. But uh, 2001, I was asked, I guess by your daddy, to come and preach the ordination service for the three brothers, Bobby, Merrill, and Brother Jason. And uh, we had a good time that night. I don't forget that. I can tell a story about that, too, and you probably too can, too. But we had a good time, and it was my honor to preach the ordination service for Brother Jason Ware, now from Maryville, Tennessee. Make him welcome back here in Bethlehem. Man, let's give that to the Lord right now. Praise God. He is the only one worthy of high praise in this place today. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. We are so honored. I am so honored to be here. I do apologize for the, uh, the absence of my family this time. And uh, they was driving over yesterday to meet me and Sister Voskis began to tell them about the weather and about the sickness. And, and then she said, why don't y'all just come another time? So uh, I've been down here for a few days. And so I realize most of you have been like, oh, Brother Weir, where's the family? And I realize I'm just not as good a package without them. I, I, I get that. But if you'll bear with me, we're going to try. I'm not going to sing. So that's the blessing for every one of you. We are so honored to be here. And yes, I was just looking at pictures this week of that service and uh, such fond memories and, and great time. And, and, and if anybody ever questions my ministry, I always tell them, now listen, Bishop Steve Wilson ordained me, so you back off. Yeah. Amen. That's, that's my ticket. Amen. And I'm so honored to, to fill this platform. It's been quite some time, I guess a little over a year maybe, maybe even longer. But uh, I do feel like the Lord has given me something for you today. Amen. And I, I just want to relay what he's gave. It's nothing from, from me. I pray that it blesses you. John chapter 10 and verse number 10. Amen. We give honor to Pastor Voskis and I know in his absence. Amen. And uh, uh, I, I somehow, and I... I Jackson teases me. Somehow I have fallen in a place where I, I preach at a lot of churches when the pastor's not there. And, uh, and Jackson said, Dad, do you think these pastors just don't like your preaching? He said, they only have you come in when they're gone. And I said, well, I would like to think it's that they trust me, but you think what you want to, Jack. <laughs> Amen. But I'm so honored to be here and to be trusted and to fill this platform in the absence of your pastor. So John 10 and 10 says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Amen. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Amen. I want to preach today to you about a God that has proven this in my life. He is altogether lovely. Amen. Would you help me pray? God of heaven, 
I love you today. And I pray, Lord, in the, in the face of, of sickness, God, and, and, and forecast, that we would forget about all of that for a few moments. And we would just let your word feed our souls and challenge us to take another step, walk another mile. And God, I pray that you would anoint my voice today to speak unto this congregation. Let us be doers of the word and not hearers only. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. As you see, to tell your neighbor, he's altogether lovely. Amen. In 2014, Daryl Francis wrote an article about a study that involved 8,000 children. Of that 8,000 children, only 87 of them were different from the others. Uh, the fact of the matter is they had been so bold to claim that this group of people make up about only 1% of the general population. Amen. And that 1% of the general population has one thing in common. They are ambidextrous. Ambidextrity is simply the ability to use either hand, the side, either side the same, with the same skill, the same ability. Writing can be done the same with ease. Sports can be done the same with ease in the right hand or the left hand. Amen. I know that there's probably some left-handed folks in a crowd this size today. The good news is they say the left hand means you're in your right mind. So uh, the opposite side of your brain controls which hand you use. So if you're, if you're left-handed, you're, you're, in, you're in your right mind. Us, us right-handed folks are the ones that's struggling. So... Amen. The truth is that the general population typically is right-handed. That's why buying a left-handed saw is hard to find. Uh, all of the knives I've got, I don't have a left-handed knife. I think they all just right-handed knives, you know. Can openers are made for right-handers. Scissors are typically sold for the use of the right hand. They state that many people can actually train their brain to do certain things, throw a ball, cut a piece of wood. List goes on and on what they can train their brain to do. But ambidextrous club isn't popular. You have to be able to do all things well, right-handed or left-handed. Uh, and I can tell you that, that, that you don't want me to do anything left-handed. I struggle to read my own writing with my right hand, uh, and it definitely would not be good with my left hand. Amen. I, 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 in sports, especially baseball, a left-handed batter is closer to first base by just merely steps. Those few steps give the advantage to that batter. In other words, if they bat left-handed, if they can, or they can bat right-handed, they have the advantage over the opponent. Amen. And I believe that somebody might understand where I'm trying to build the foundation today. I found this article very interesting. Amen. Just for a few moments as I read it, amen. Gary Thompson writes in this article the advantage of fighting a southpaw or fighting southpaw. Being naturally left handed is a very big advantage in the world of boxing. Fighting in general, first you learn the advantages, then you learn how to use them to your advantage. At many sports levels, left handed athletes, known in boxing for sure are, are southpaws. They carry a huge advantage because everything they do comes from the opposite side that a normal right-handed uh, person and fighter is used to seeing. 
Left-handed fighters, pitchers, fencers, tennis players, hockey players have been feared by their opponents for generations. In boxing, being left-handed was such an advantage that many fighters back in the day would, would, would have to convert to an orthodox stance so that other fighters would be willing to face them. Can you imagine spending your whole life driving on the right side of the road in America and then going to England and having to drive on the opposite side of the road? I'm going to tell you something. Down there in Blount County, Tennessee, they got this stupid interchange. It's like two S's. And you are driving on the wrong side of the road. And so Abby's been, Abby's been learning to drive. My daughter been learning to drive. And so I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach her real good. I'm going to take her through that interchange. Now look, y'all, I got the Holy Ghost again. Got the Holy Ghost again because there's just something about being on the wrong side of the road, and especially when you're a new driver, it uh, it just it scared me. I I said, Lord Jesus, help us now. Don't leave Holy Ghost. Don't leave this vehicle right now. Stay with us, God. You know, and and stay close to us. But that, that, can you imagine just changing everything? the way you know it and, and, and doing it. Simply put, a Southpaw has an infinite more experience against an Orthodox fighter than, than we would have against a Southpaw. Quite often their advantage of being a, a left-handed fighter allows them to win fights even though they may be slower, they may be weaker, and even less skilled. If you look through history, you can see some of the greatest Orthodox fighters had their toughest fights against left-handed boxers. Amen. Other notable Southpaws in, in, in the world of sports have made such treacherous and terrorizing impacts on their enemy. The theory is orthodox fighters are simply not used to throwing punches and defending punches against a left-handed fighter because everything orthodox boxers do will be less effective against their enemy or their opponent. When facing them, orthodox fighters will throw punches with less accuracy, less power, and they're not used to throwing at different angles. I've come to tell you today, folks, we serve a God that is not just good on the right hand but he's also good on the left hand and when the enemy comes in and tries to throw at you and tries to defeat your family we serve a God that is altogether lovely he's able to fight when the enemy comes in on the left he's able to fight when he comes in on the he is a victorious God all the way around oh hallelujah hallelujah amen Oh, God, have mercy on us today. The only state, this fact, if a Southpaw fighter is right-hand dominant with a strong left cross, this puts the opponent in danger of knockout from each punch with the combination as it jabs him. I'm just throwing it out there. But if one were to be truly ambidextrous, they would certainly have the advantage over the opponent. Amen. And you can hit the ground right now and understand that God is not just left-handed or right-handed, but we serve an ambidextrous Jesus that knows how to fight with both hands. He knows how to have he knows how to heal with both hands. He knows how to pick you up with both hands. He knows how to help your family. Fix your finances, fix your emotions, uh, and heal your body. Right. Hallelujah. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, 
and to destroy. The Bible's teaching us here that Satan is a master at stealing. He's good at stealing. He's good at being a thief. I'm thankful God got my mama saved because my mama's family was a bunch of thieves and I might have been good at it if mama wouldn't have got saved and broke that curse. I'm thankful for that today. Amen. But we got an enemy that is good at stealing your peace. He's good at stealing your joy. He's good at stealing your, your comfort. He's good at stealing your families and messing in your finances. He steals our peace and he gives us an imitation of nothing more than depression. He steals truth and he replaces it with a mere assumption. He's good at his job but Jesus didn't stop there with just his description of the enemy. Amen. But I want you to know that he said, but I have come that you might have life. And I'm not just going to give you, I'm not just going to give you the opposite of what the enemy's given you. I'm going to give you greater than what the enemy's given you. I want you to have life more abundantly. Praise God. Hallelujah. We serve a God that is the great I am. Ah, hallelujah. It's not the fact that our Lord is a southpaw or even a left or a right, but it's the reality that on every side we have a God that is omnipresent. He is the ambidextrous Jesus. He is good all the way around. One scripture said it like this. Amen. His mouth is most sweet. Yea, he is altogether lovely. He said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. When God is fighting for you, you always have the advantage. Hallelujah. He's not like you and I where we would favor a side more than the other. Amen. If, I, if I'm watching sports, I, I pick my side and I favor that. If I'm, if I'm uh, anything in life, amen, and most people are like that. They, they, favor, they favor one side or the other. We talk about our, our right hand and our left hand. If you're right-handed, you're going to favor that right side. If you're left-handed, you're going to favor that left side. Amen. It's a level of cross-dominance when you are ambidextrous. You have the ability to be good on both sides, favoring one hand for certain tasks, even if it's not the dominant hand. And among the group of those people who use both hands, they are even finer in distinction. Amen. But ambidextrous can use both with ease. Here's a fact about it. The, the, the hemispheres of the brain of an ambidextrous people are sim symmetrical. In other words, both sides of their brain are equal. John 11 and 4 said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us and without controversy great is the mystery of godliness God was manifest in the flesh I am alpha and omega the beginning and ending saith the Lord 
Now, this is the most awesome thing I find that Jesus says to us. He said, the Lord which is, which was, and which is to come. I believe he is the God that was. And I believe he is the God that is to come. But when I'm in the middle of a battle, I got to believe that he is the God which is. Because sometimes when the storm comes in, it's easy to forget about the God that was and the God that is to come. But I've come to tell you something, folks. You're never going to walk into a battle or a storm that the God that is is not going to be on your side. And when God is fighting for you, it doesn't matter how big the sickness is, how broke the bank account is, no matter what the doctor's report says, when God is fighting for you, you always have the advantage. I'm the first and the last. Colossians said, who is this image of the invisible God? The firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him all things exist. If all things exist by him, the creation will never be greater than the creator. So the enemy exists by him. The battles that we face, according to scripture, exist by him. The winds that blow against us exist by him. And if he created the enemy, he created the battles and he created the winds. Let me remind you again, the creation will never be greater than the creator. I don't care what wind is blowing against you. I don't care what battle you're walking through. I don't care what storm has come against your life. The creation is never... The creator is about to finish your story. The creator is about to fight your battle. Oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They say that an ambidextrous mind, the activities trigger extraordinary experiences. To a regular mind, it is blue. To an ambidextrous mind, it is cobalt blue in 3D. Can I pause again and say our God can not only see your need, but at the same time, he sees your answer. We see the need, Brother Carson, but the creator, at the same time the need arises, sees the answer. Uh, we have an ambidextrous Jesus. Right or left, he's good all the way around. It doesn't matter what game it found yourself in. He's dominant. He is God manifest in the flesh. As God, he calmed the raging sea. As God, he raised the dead. As God, he healed the sick. As man, he was born in this world. As man, he got hungry. As man, he slept. And as man, he wept. But the beauty of it is, Timothy said, great 
great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. I serve a God that is good. No matter what way the enemy comes in, no matter what way the storm comes in, I serve an able Savior. Oh, would you love him right now? Biblical times, right or left, we're not just referring to the sides of a body, a person, a place, or a thing, but it was also a direction. When you find yourself the right hand or the left hand, that's a directional phrase, meaning north and south. In Scripture, according to theologians, right hand was the symbol of power, and authority. Amen. Isaiah said, God have mercy, for I the Lord thy God will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, fear not, I will help. So it's power and authority on the right hand. Exodus 15, 6 said, thy O Lord is become glorious in power. Thou hast dashed in pieces the enemy, the right hand of God. Everybody wants to sit at the right hand of God. You hear preachers talking about a shield upon his right hand. Power and authority. It was a place or a symbol of power. It was a favorable place. Psalm 16, 11 said, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. He goes on in chapter 16, he said, That my beloved may be delivered, save with thy right hand. And hear me, Psalm 63 and 8, My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. It's power on the right hand of God. There's strength on the right hand of God. There's authority on the right hand of God. Psalm 78, 54 said, and he brought them to the border of his sanctuary, even to this mountain, which is his right hand. It was a sign of power and authority. He delivered with his right hand. He, he protected with his right hand. I was reading, I... I wish I was as good as Jeremy Lang at spitting and hawking all that Hebrew and, and all that, that stuff. But I was reading this week in a Jewish encyclopedia in performing the temple ceremonies. The general rule is that every turn must be made to the right of the way. One of the priestly disqualifications was being a left-handed priest. You couldn't be a priest if you were left-handed because everything in setting up the tabernacle had to be done with right-hand turns. Now something about this gripped me. Jesus, Jesus was our high priest and he wasn't after the order of the Levitical priesthood. So many times in scripture, the right hand is identified with power and authority and I believe that. According to a Jewish encyclopedia, etiquette commands that the most prominent person sit or walk in the center. The next in rank is at their right hand. And the third in rank is at their left hand. The bride is placed on the right side of the groom. Solomon placed a seat next to him on his right side. And that is where his mother sat. 
The right eye was the most important and the most vital member of the body. Nahash, the Ammonite, as a reproach upon Israel, he produced or he purposed to put out the right eye of all of the men of Jabesh Gilead. When the priest would do a ceremonial cleansing of the leper, he would put some of the blood of the sacrifice on the right ear of the leper, right thumb of his right hand, and the big toe of his right foot. And the priest would take his right hand and sprinkle oil on the altar. According to scripture, upon his right hand, he sustains us. With his right hand, he brings us through. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. But the question must arise, if we are serving an ambidextrous Savior, that would mean that he has to have the same ability that his right hand has on his left hand. The right hand was dominant. It was power and it was authority and established through the symbol using the, his authority and power was always done with the right hand. I realize that I might be off on a, on, an, on a goose chase today and some of you thinking, what's this preacher trying to preach to me? Amen, and I realize that. Amen, but if you'll remember Ehud, he stabbed the king with his left hand. Symbolically, the right hand points us to his power and his authority. But I'm going to show us something today. Job had a revelation from God and of God. Job was a man full of trouble, full of trials, but he had this to say about God. On his left hand, he doth work. We all want the right hand of God. We all want the power and the authority of God. But I'm going to tell you something. It's with his left hand that he does the work. Oh, God have mercy. Amen. And it's not just that the left hand was not so dominant as the right hand. So we gave power and authority to the right hand. That's not what it's about. The left hand is just as dominant as the right hand of God. He's just as good at doing his work as what he is having power. He's just as good as working in your life as what he is having authority in your life. Job said, hear me now or I'll lose you. In biblical times, the left hand was known for doing something in the dark. Stay with me. You didn't want others to know what was being done. It would catch them off guard. What in the world does the left hand symbolically and biblically point us to? Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And I go backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he is working, I do not behold him. He turns to the right, and he said, but I do not see him. But then Job says this, he knows the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come out as gold. Job said, you got to understand something. Just because I can't see him doesn't mean he's not working. Just because I can't find him doesn't mean he don't still have authority. I've come to tell somebody that's in a dark trial, God's still working. Somebody in sickness, God's still working. Just because you don't see it don't mean he quit working. Oh, I love you, Jesus. 
You see, because I'm going to tell you something. Say, so well, I don't serve a God of darkness. You're up there trying to preach that he works in the dark. Hmm. God does his best work behind the scenes. On the left hand, when he is working, I don't behold him. I don't know where he's at, but I know this. He's working. Job said, I can't see him, Brother Dave. I can't see him. I can't, but I know he's working. And when he's done working, I'm coming out of this trial. And I'm going to come forth as gold. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He works on his left hand, which means he works behind the scenes. He works in the dark. He works when you don't know he's working. He works when the doctor gives a bleak report. He works when the finances look bad. He works when you're at your bottom and there's nowhere else to turn. He works best in the dark. So, Brother Weir, it's dark right now. You ought to thank God because that means he's working. Hmm. When I was in high school. It's been many years ago. They still taught trades in high school when I was in. And I wish they'd do that again. I took printing class, and I even went into printing for a few years. But in that day, we didn't have all the digital, all the computer, all the fun stuff. So we had to... We had to make the picture, make the design, and then we had to get a photo of it, and then we had to go into a dark room. And we had to develop the negative, in which the negative would be placed upon the plate that was placed upon the press. And through the pressing, the finalized product would come out. But the finalized product and the product that was what we was ultimately trying to get to You see, we didn't really, we weren't trying to make a plate. We weren't trying to make a negative. We we was trying to get the final print. But none of it could be done without what was being developed in that dark room. Or folks, I'm telling you, don't you dare curse the darkness because there's a left hand of God that's walked into your dark room and he's developing some victory in you. And when the final product comes out, you're going to be like Job. I'm going to be like gold that's been purified. You know, they say jewelers tell us that the way they know gold is completely purified is when they can look into the gold and they can see their reflection in the gold. Can I tell you, when God gets done trying you, when God gets done developing you, you're going to come forth as gold. You're going to come forth in the image of God. You're going to come forth. You're going to be a reflection of the king that brought you through. Uh, serving ambidextrous Jesus with his right hand he's our strength with his left hand he's working things out with his right hand he defends us with his left hand in the dark behind the scenes he's working when we least expect it that's why the writer could write and say such with such expectancy weeping may endure for the night but joy comes in the morning he could say it with such authority because he knew I've got a God that's working the night shift I got a God that's working overnight He has not 
forsaken me. Ah, would you love him for a minute? Some of you are in the darkness right now. I've come to tell you God's developing you. He knew that even in the night, he would be protected. But at the midnight hour, God would be at work. I want to tell you today, even though you might not be surrounded on all sides like you want to be, and the enemy's coming in like a flood, we serve a God who is all together. Lovely. He's good all the way around. He sustains you with his right hand. And he's at work behind the scenes with his left hand. So when you say God is holding me and God's getting me through this, you better know that means God's carrying you on one side, but God's slaying the enemy on the other side. He's upholding you with his right hand, but he's defending and fighting for you on his left hand. I got a different look at Jesus today. I got a different take on Jesus today because he's not just the one that carried me through the storm, but he's the one that fought the storm for me. He's not just the one that carried me through the battle, but he's the one that was slaying the enemy. This hit me so late last night. The Bible says that the Romans were the masters in the art of torture. They could bring a person close to death. They could bring them to that edge where they would wish to die and bring them back for more. They drove them nails in his right hand and his left hand. And the enemy tried to pin him down and wipe out his ability to provide, to protect, and to work. But you can't keep a good man down. What they did not know was they were crucifying an ambidextrous Jesus. What they did not know was he was just as good on both sides. Oh, God have mercy. Oh, I'm thankful for those crucified hands today. Those hands that were nailed to the cross, they give us authority. They provide us salvation in the least likeliest places. Who provides? But yet he works. He's a God that provides for you. But he doesn't stop working just because he's providing. He, is, he works his least likeliest places. In the least likeliest times, God steps in and says, Here, let me be an answer where there is no answer. Let me be a healer where there is no, 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 no cure. Let me be a provider where there is no paycheck. Oh, he's the kind of God that we serve today. Mark chapter 6, and I hasten. We find people in a desert place. They followed the Lord as he led them to an uncomfortable situation. Then he made them sit down. The Bible states that day that that, that was about, that there were about 5,000 present and not enough food to provide. Uncomfortable, to say the least. Tired, cold, exhausted, getting anxious. But look what Jesus does. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and he blessed them. And he broke the loaves. 
and he gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all, and they did all eat and were filled. Mark chapter number 6 and verse 41 teaches us that he raised up both hands to break that bread. He raised up both hands to provide that food and that, those fish as he blessed it and he broke it. Both hands were raised. The right hand symbolized his power and authority. The left hand symbolized where he worked. And not just where he works, but how he works in the secret place, in the darkness. He that hideth himself in the secret place of the Almighty. Under the the wings, you find that secret place. You're going to find a place where God's working on your behalf. Uh, He that shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Hmm. God help us today. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what thoughts have been going through your mind today. But I do know this. He is all together lovely. Would you lift your hands to him today? Don't just lift one. Would you lift, would you lift both? Say, God, I give my works to you and I give all authority to you. I don't know everything you're going through, but this I do know. We have an ambidextrous Jesus. That simply means he's good at protecting, providing, and working with both hands. Peter was sinking, but he cried, Lord, save me. And the Bible states immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand. Now, I know and we all know that Jesus could have just walked out there and picked Peter up. But the Bible wanted to teach us something, that there's power in the hands of God. We've heard it said my whole life, you put your life in, in God's hands. Put that situation in God's hands. What's that mean? Give him power and authority and let him work it out. Isaiah 59 and 1 said, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. A God that's altogether lovely performs just as well with both hands. He has just as much power in his right hand as he does his left. He has just as much ability to work with his left hand as he does his right. No matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, I challenge you today, put your hands in his hands because there's something about it remember in the fight remember in the fight or if you're up to bat a person who's ambidextrous always has the advantage they have a cross sensory perception it's a fancy word called synesthesia which simply means ordinary activities trigger extraordinary experiences I'm going to tell you something what looks hard for us is easy for Jesus. And the ordinary, when Jesus puts his hands on it, becomes extraordinary. The natural becomes supernatural. I was was praying and and studying a few weeks ago and Jackson come in and I I wanted to prove a point. I said, come over here, Jackson. 
And, 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 and he said, what? You know, Jackson's kind of getting lippy. He's just about to that point that I'm going to have to knock him out. So he knows I'm still boss. You know. And uh, we're just about there. And, and then Molly, God help her soul. Somebody told me Molly was anointed. And I said, and if you ever wonder if Satan could be anointed, just look at Molly. Because she can be as, you don't know if she's she sugar or spice. She's going to either kick you or, or hug you. You just don't know. Jackson, come in. I said, come here, Jack. I said, I want you to stand right in front of me. I said, put your hands up like we're going we're gonna to lock hands. And he did, and I put my hands up. And I realized, Brother Craig, I realized that when I did that, my left hand went into his right hand. And my right hand went into his left hand. So say, we say, I want you to lift your hands and praise the Lord. What we're really saying is, I want you to lift your hands and put them in the hands of Jesus. And when you do that, you put your works in his authority. And you put his authority in your works. See, I've come to tell somebody there's nothing like linking up with Jesus because the enemy fears you. With God, all things are possible. That's saying you and Jesus. Stand with me today as the music comes. If you're going through a storm today, I'm going to tell you the answer. Surrender your power and authority into his works and let his power and authority do the work in your life because I can't figure it out on my own over the course of the last three years and I'm not going to go into great detail but over the course of the last three years I preached in this platform and platforms all across this country Battling the darkest spirit of depression that I, I can't even describe to you what I was battling. I would leave here. We would get back to our, our evangelist quarters. We would get back to wherever we was at. If we went home, we'd get back. We was in a, a small quarters that was so graciously given to us by, by a pastor to live in when we, when we resigned our church. And I'd get back to that quarters, Brother Bishop Wilson, and my family go to school. Sister Weird go to work. And, do whatever I'd sit there in the darkness I wouldn't turn any lights on Brother Carson I didn't uh, light I didn't want light I was that dark spirit of depression to the point that I was even researching ways to commit suicide and make it look like an accident preaching in platforms somebody said you probably shouldn't have been doing that probably shouldn't have been preaching if he's under that kind of attack can I tell you the only moments that I had any relief the only moments that that suicidal spirit and that dark spirit was not attached to me was when I was standing up here preaching the gospel the anointing would come on me and that spirit would leave and I'd go back home to the darkness I'd sit for days in the darkness get up at night when my wife was getting bed and I'd go sit in a recliner rocking begging God to take my life had, had search history on my 
my iPad where I was looking for ways to make it look like an accident. I didn't want my kids to live with the legacy of a father that committed suicide. But if I could make it look like an accident, if I could make them think that it just accidentally happened. I was sitting in that dark house that day. Had the plan. Had all the stuff laid out to do it. It was a way that would not have caught my family off guard. And I hear my father's voice in a dark house. A father that's been dead 10 years. As I got everything ready, and they're going to find me slumped over the kitchen table when they get home. I hear my dad say, Jason, God's not done with you. I said, I said listen, I'm going to tell you how the enemy works. I said, I know I'm going crazy now. Dad's been dead 10 years. Ain't no way that was dad's voice. And I, I raised the knife again and I'm ready. And I hear, Jason, I said, God's not done with you. As I listened, holding a knife in hand, Bishop, as I listened, I heard that voice transition. And it just transcended through different men of God who have made an impact on my life. And they were all saying, Jason, God's not through with you. God's not through with you. And finally I heard the voice of my pastor. And he said, Jason, put it down and pick up what God called you to do. And it was at that point that I surrendered my power and I surrendered my authority and I let God work in the darkness. I'm talking about a spirit that was so dark, folks, that I sat across the table with pastors and it's a wonder that they didn't think I was high on drugs because I couldn't even look at them. I just I didn't have anything to talk about. That spirit had attached to me before I could even get in my car and go to a restaurant to eat. But somehow, in one moment, in the darkness, the left hand of God and the right hand of God reached down into that room. And I can preach to you today because of an ambidextrous Jesus. I wonder if there's somebody that serves a God that's altogether lovely. Would you reach for him right now? If you're in the darkness, you ought to be at this altar. If you're in the darkness right now and you're in the storm, maybe you've encountered some of those dark voices. You've encountered some of those spirits of, of attack and say, well, well if, you, if you trusted in God, you wouldn't have depression. I'm going to tell you, your brain's an organ just like your heart's an organ. And it can fail you just like any other organ in your body. I love God and I trust God and I have 100% faith in God. But what I went through was very real. And what some of you are facing today is very real. But I've come to just prophetically say, God's not through with you. Would you just come put your hands in his hands? Maybe some of you that's not going through the darkness and the storm can come up and lay hands on these that have stepped out. You're not weak because you've stepped out today. The strongest thing you'll ever do is admit that the enemy's been fighting me. But I trust in God. I trust in God. He's altogether lovely. He's good on every side. He's good on every side. I'm going to tell you, the spirit of suicide is about to lift off of somebody right now. Your husband, your wife didn't even know you was feeling it, didn't even know you was going through it. But God's about to lift it off of you right now. In the name of Jesus, I command it to go back to darkness from which it came.
Sister, while he's carrying you, he's also working for you. Brothers, while he's carrying you, he's also working for you. Thank you. 
You're the author. 
together lovely God today I know I do it ain't always I'm always together but God always seems to find a way to put me back where I need to be right amen thank you brother Weir for that phenomenal message bro such a timely word we received today